Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Manuel. And neither of us is Baby Shark. <laughs> Hi, I'm Amity and I'm 14 weeks late to a mean thing. And it's terrible and I'm leaking it all Which over is, the house. Follows <laughs> uh, the theme of our show, actually. That's right. Late coming. Oops. So, this week on the uh, show, we are going to talk about 1998's film The Siege, which is terrorist based. So that's lighthearted. Hey! Well, we should mention it's an Edwards Wick film. Yeah. And he's a consummate professional filmmaker. And it features an amazing cast. Aren't all of the people no. that make films consummate no. professional filmmakers? No. There's even even when they're. Se- Hey, and let's see. That seems Do you want me to start checking off the names of incompetent filmmakers? Because I can keep going. I don't think Eli Roth is incompetent. I think he just doesn't make shit you like. Oh, uh, well, no. He's, Are we going to go in on Steven Spielberg for no, no reason? We, so well, early yet. in the episode. <laughs> there are so many others that I can start with. Good grief. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and this is our hating minute. <laughs> Welcome to the latecomers. Bitch about stuff. <laughs> so, how was your week? My week was smoke-filled and oh, planning-filled. Yes, yes, we are under the pall of the campfire smoke, which it sounds, sounds very charming. It sounds yes, like we should adorable, be adorable, and there are s'mores, but yes, that's not no, what's happening. Not at all. So, Oakland is in day three, four, four. I think it is of. I'm trying to remember heavy when smoke did it coverage. start where I just couldn't breathe in the morning. Yeah, uh, Heavy smoke coverage from the fires in Northern California, and we know that there are huge fires in Southern California as well. Our hearts go out to Guillermo del Toro and his, what do they call it, Bleak, Bleak House? House? which is the, one of my favorite Dickens novel. Um, between that and Great Expectations, probably. Yes, that sounds horribly pretentious. This Stop. is Pretentious Corner. <laughs> no, I love Pretension Corner with Lemuel and Gonzalez. <laughs> Bleak House is also where he keeps a collection of amazing artwork and first editions and things like that. Yes. And so I'm sort of horrified at the notion that all of it's gone. But even more than the idea that we've lost priceless books, is the idea that we've lost an so entire many town. People. people yeah. Been, and yeah. yes, right now the death count is at 25. 25 right. And people. there's people missing, and it's really terrible. So, again, your thoughts, my prayers yeah. between the two of us. That's, <laughs> right. that's how that breaks down. We'll accomplish something. So, that's been our week. Um, other than that, personally, I'm doing a lot of planning for trip, upcoming trips and, you know, work so that I can pay for set upcoming trips. And also there's baking. I made sugar cookies for Lots the first time and they're pretty good. Pretty good. What have you been up to this week? Michael Bay, by the way. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. Anyway. <laughs> Eli Roth, Michael Bay. As I, I, said, don't, I, I really think you need to pull up on the Eli Roth train, but Michael um, Bay I will be on board with. So, um, actually, uh, not much. It's been a week also of of trying to stay indoors and not roll down the windows. When I'm going True, to yes. Breathe through your sweater. Yeah, and it's it's odd watching people walk around with masks on. Yeah. Not like Halloween masks. This is not, you know... No, sadly no. Silver shamrock. No, it's not one of those situations. It's more of oh, a... no. Just sort of... <laughs> it's a callback to those people who actually sat and watched Halloween 3 or our review of it. But... um. Yeah, yeah, watching people walk up and down our neighborhood with 
a mass home because it's impossible to breathe. Impossible to breathe. The air is the world thick with smoke. Where it's like this all, all the, the time. time. I was I got a lift from. Um, oh, I'm going to say this all wrong. Not Ethiopia. Eritrea. Eritrea. Eritrean uh, driver who talked to me about, you know, that, and he made a crack about it. It's like, this is why I left Ethiopia, air quality, among yeah. other things. And so it's just pretty Although bad. by Tuesday, you know, yeah. we're going to be back to normal. And this is and... the first day that we've gotten, frankly, to see the sun. Yeah. There was a blue sky this morning, but visible smoke in the air. It was an odd, odd sort of... Uh, situation and today is the first day of the season where i am huddled in a blanket while recording the episode so it's also cold hey welcome winter this is a very large at times gloomy house and during the winters it gets very cold here it's a 130 year old wood frame house um with zero insulation and no windows that open or closed. So well, I mean, they're all closed. They're all closed. There was there. a when I lived here originally as a kid. There was a migration every year from the back of the house to the front of the house where we could retain heat. Yeah. And everyone put their mattresses out on the floor and just slept out here for a month or two. Um, I'm not going to do it this time because there are cats and they will not let me sleep. We have electric blankets, and right. by we, I said. It's only me. I yes. have one because I had the foresight last year for Christmas to request an electric blanket. And that was good because I never know what to get you. And I didn't want to, to get something you wouldn't like and say, no, I hate that and, and throw it away. It's what Amazon wish lists are for, y'all, and I've had yeah. one for years. Remember that, all of you people who are fans. Of no Amazon's one's getting Amazon me anything off of my Amazon wish list. <laughs> it could happen. <sighs> Anyhow, so we so saw. So are we going to talk about the siege? Yeah, we absolutely the siege. are. So this movie involved two minutes in me sort of gasping and turning to you and saying, did they digitally remove the World Trade Center from New York City skyline? And you were like, I don't know. And so I spent three minutes Googling and missing important plot points, thereby having to rewind and start again. So things about this movie. One, yes, they did in fact remove, digitally remove from several scenes, including that first one the World Trade Center from the New York skyline with good reason. This movie is about uh, Muslim Middle Eastern terrorists and bombing New York. That is the primary things that are happening in this movie. So I think this movie came out in 1998. Some but not all cuts post-2001, you know, 9-11, Remove the World Trade Center from the skyline to avoid triple triggering people. So, <laughs> well, given the subject matter of the film, it's appropriate. I yeah, think. I think so too. Um, you don't want. It's a difficult topic to address because it. The film was meant to be very, very topical, I suppose, when it was released. So it's covering nowadays, at least for some of us, the term terrorist connotes, or denotes rather. I'm mm. sure. Mm, Both of those um, are right. A guy. A no, over, guy stuffed into a work shirt and a red hat. That's what terrorism is to me. Yeah. And so this is a different kind of world. Yeah. Um, for current and modern pieces of media, I look for my media to now mm-hmm. have white supremacist terrorism and Russian terrorism. And I'm not super keen on new things, like mm. current things in 2018. 
piling onto the Muslims as terrorists right. uh, trope. We're past it. It's just making it easy to be racist against Muslims. And well, Muslims people also, from the Middle East. People from the Middle East more often because Muslim, like Christianity, Islam rather, is a religion that encompasses all sorts yes, of beliefs. Yes, absolutely. Um, I was watching the raid so the other also, day. So also, it's always the fundamentalists you want to watch out for. watching the raid the other day and it struck me in the opening scenes have uh, Iko Uas, I think is his name, the, uh, the Indonesian actor. He starts the film... Uh, doing his daily routine of training and then praying. And, and prayer. Like, He's Muslim as well. That's right. a, you know, I forgot, Indonesia is largely Muslim. Mm-hmm. And there are Chinese Muslims. There's a large community there too. And the terrorists, mm-hmm. I'm not even going right. to um, identify them in this with um, religion, Right. Uh, are largely Palestinian mm-hmm. in uh, ethnicity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't call it nationality. Culturally. Culturally. Okay. Right. Yeah. Sorry if this is This is there's no way of being right. inoffensive when we're talking about this yeah. because there's we both have these really strange experiences. We worked we met originally working together in Berkeley. And we worked at a bookstore, Cody's Books. Bye. There was a Rest lot of peace. tension um, between people at that store. There were some people we had a travel section and I remember this distinctly. There was I think a Lonely Planet guide. Mm-hmm. That included Palestine as a region. And there were some customers who came and, first of all, complained to the information desk that they were offended that such a book existed. Yeah. And then secondly, began to just sort of steal the book from the shelves and remove it so that nobody yep. could have access to it. And so there was a lot of tension there with a lot of students and their own ideas coming together. You know, yep. Berkeley had a huge... We were, what, five blocks away from the campus? Yes. So there was a lot of tension about it. So there's no safe way to address this. There's going to be yes, a, a prickly issue. We're not going to bring our own sort right. of ideas into the... Lord knows it's been hundreds of years, mm-hmm. if not thousands of years, <laughs> depending on which timeline you want to look at, that this has been an issue. All that to say is these terrorists, some of them and some of the middlemen that we mm-hmm. see identify as Palestinian. That's what we'll say. Now, how do you feel about the way that, because I felt that it addressed the Middle East crisis or the crisis that we have with Islamic I think it wanted to. I think it got muddled because, uh-huh. well, part of that is my own lack of full understanding of the subject matter. Mm-hmm. They're, of course, not going to lecture to me. But I think that this story sort of muddles Middle Eastern together as a big mush without a lot of nuance. Right. And and I also think, and we'll talk about it as we go in, I also think that all of the characters in this movie, no, let me rephrase that. Several of the characters in this movie seem to have conflicting goals and ideals within themselves. Right. And it's never clearly sort of... It's never sort of figured out. It's never sort of... uh, Specifically, Annette Bening's character, my thoughts about her changed markedly through the whole movie. Right. And at the end, I still I don't know what to think, and, and I don't know what 
they want me to think. There's, and this is what I felt was interesting about this film, and we'll go into the synopsis in a minute, but... And also Bruce Willis's character right. seems to sort of flip-flop on himself a few times. I felt like that Annette Benning's character and the, how muddled the movie becomes are actually appropriate to the situation. Appropriate Maybe. to how often that... But I don't... I, I think I agree mm. with... The, mm-hmm. That the situation gets muddy and that right. there's no clear uh, right and wrong in a lot of these cases. Uh, right for who is wrong for who. Right. I don't know that the filmmakers had a clear point of view. Uh-huh. And so I think that's where the muddiness well, doesn't I, get to sort of I think be... that there's no clear way of addressing the situation, though. I mean, as, as a person... Uh, you know, a, a yeah, movie. but if you're gonna make a movie, you gotta pick a, As you a gotta film pick a point watcher, of view. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 1987, The Living Daylights. James Bond saves the Mujahideen. 1988 or 89, Rambo Three. Rambo saves the Mujahideen. 9 11, 2001. The Mujahideen are the same people who blew us up. Right. So they're trying to address that subject in that too. Well, which is, I mean, we have we, we are there the yet. people who then did it yes, for us. Yes, that is true. Uh, and so there's. And at the same time, probably because we didn't give them a way out, and that's addressed in this movie, yeah. that a lot of these groups were people that we backed out on and left basically hanging, and so right. now we're sort of, not. and it sounds horrible to say that we're reaping it, but common people are reaping the, the government's manipulations in other countries. Right. So yes, that's, absolutely. that was kind of what Annette Benning's character was supposed to right. represent, but I, I don't that know. whole and history gets so muddled in real life. It gets very muddled. It just It doesn't feel like the, the movie has a clear point of view, mm-hmm. except that Denzel Washington is the good guy. Right. He is, like, y'all, I love Denzel Washington. Let's, let us let me be very clear. <laughs> right. I agree with the podcast's premise, the, the uh, Kamau's podcast, uh, Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. I concur with this premise. I have been, I have gone on record, I'm going on record right now, saying that if my life story is ever made into a film, I would like Denzel Washington to play me. That's how much I love Denzel Washington. Uh, He, his character in this movie is patriotic American man. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all. He has no nuance. <laughs> His character, I should say. He is not bad in the movie. He mm. is given almost nothing well, to I do. Well, I think the problem is you needed some sort of center to the movie that everything moves around. And in this film, it's Denzel Washington. He plays a character named... Uh, hub, Anthony weirdly Hubbard. enough. He's the hub. Right. Did you guys get it? The center, which the rest of the movie moves around. He's an hub. FBI <laughs> special agent. He has a partner, Lebanese partner, who's played by Tony Shalhoub, who does really good work in this film, especially because he's asked to keep pace with an amazing cast of people. Well, Tony Shalhoub is very good. I know You're that, really no, no, underselling I'm, In 1998, bit. we didn't know that he was that good. Fair. All right, so putting him first in front forward with this amazing cast was kind of a bold move, but he was really good. Um, which is why you get your own TV show, I guess. But um, so they're investigating uh, a terrorist attack, which at first seems to be just aimed towards ridiculing people, which is blowing up a paint bomb on a bus. Yes. Uh, and this is in response to a shake, shake, 
I had a long argument. Sheikh versus sheik. With an English teacher. Oh, really? Because we were reading uh, one of the books that we were reading uh, in her class was Ben Hur. Uh huh. And uh, she she referred to one of the characters as Sheikh Elderum and. All of her students are laughing, like, shake? Don't you mean shake? Because it's shake, like, yes. Right. Well, because what did you guys know? The Iron Sheik. No, no. Sheik is a condom. Shake is a man. <laughs> so we just got into this huge sheik fight. Shake is a condom? There's a random condom called Sheik. I only know Trojan <laughs> by name. I don't know that it's I can It's wonderful how we just throw this all into Middle Eastern condom. stereotypes, yeah, right? Sheik, yes, Trojan that, is, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I learned... Within the last ten years, that it was right. pronounced shake. Right. And, I don't know when though. And then it became an argument: is that a European pronunciation? Where in America, so it never oh, got right. resolved. So yes, there's a, a, a an extraction of a shake from somewhere in the Middle East. Right. A uh, sunny country with uh, mud castles, basically, is what yes. it's telling you. And the extraction is done by. English speakers. We don't mm-hmm. actually know who does it. You just know that somebody charge. puts a pillowcase over his head and... And then they stage an explosion as uh-huh. though he had been killed, but he has not... Not a casualty. And it is very clear and explicitly stated that uh-huh. this is alive. This man is alive. Right. We are taking him in. And then, I don't know, how long? Sometime I don't later. believe it says so. I think we're immediately put into the plot involving um, Hub and... Uh, and his pal. Haddad. So, Haddad. Frank. Frank Haddad. And so um, they come into conflict. Who acts very much, he, his big thing in the movie is interpreter, because uh-huh. he speaks Arabic. Right. And um, he doesn't like brown people. <laughs> like he, he doesn't. He is very mad at mm-hmm. extremists. I guess for ruining where he came from, right? He's right. from Lebanon, yeah. which has a its own troubled history. Yes. And he the thing the only stereotype I can see in this film that they really play to is and he does it a couple of times, Tony Shalhoub's character, plays into this sort of irrational anger thing where they just sort of like that's a, a stereotype that you used to see in movies. And he does sort of at times get really temperamental and angry. With reason at times and other times you know he gets into an argument with a guy in a car a manacled suspect so he just elbows him in the face yeah and so it does make him kind of look like a hothead and that's a very much a stereotype yeah but i and um, it feels like it it's being manufactured and i i've seen this in other things i can't think of anything right now but i've seen it in other things mm-hmm. where the i'm gonna get real broad the brown person who's on our side mm-hmm. gets irrationally mad at the brown person who has made them a you know right. seem like one of the bad guys like yeah. like you're not representing and so i'm gonna well, get pissed. this is reminds me of my favorite line from what the purge three these are our white people you know it's kind of like the oh, same yeah. these are our brown people and our brown people protect us white people um i think that's a, that was in this case it could have gone really bad if they hadn't cast somebody like denzel as the lead, saying, okay... Yeah, I think it's his, good that they had a non-white character of, at the front. of people, or his group of, of uh, advisors and things, includes one Caucasian man, one Asian woman, you know, a yes. Lebanese character. So it's made to look like New York. And I, I think that, yeah, we live Not in Not just this, New York, but what they actually right. have... It's a very polyethnic environment. In the environment. Anti- anti-terrorist group. 
mm-hmm. counterterrorism group in the FBI, I do believe is extraordinarily ethnically diverse. Right. F- with good reason. Yes. Terrorists come in all shapes and colors. Turns and so out. we... Um, so Hubbard comes into conflict with Elise Kraft, who's played by Net Benning. Maybe her name is Elise Kraft. Maybe, Maybe. it isn't. She's a slithery, shadowy character. And you didn't think that she had introduced herself with what she was, but I, she says in that opening scene mm-hmm. that she's with the National Security Council. This is also false. Right. Well, she, she her character is difficult to pin on. She's a person who is used to using her sex appeal to get ahead on things. Seems which like. At first it seems kind of wrong, but then you figure... You, she is so nebulous, you're never sure what she's up to. Yeah. And I think she it's feels a, like a serious Jamie Lee Curtis from right. um, A Fish Called Wanda. She has a similar vibe to uh-huh. her, but like serious, not jokey. Well, I think that she's a, she's a spook, and so you never quite know what she's up to. And she's operating. We're introduced to her because she's kidnapped one of the witnesses that... Uh, Hub is trying to get a hold of. Well, not at first. We're introduced to her. Yeah, because then they... they're at the bus bombing, and he's like, "I don't know you. I don't know right. why you're here. I'm not going to tell you anything." Right. Bye. And then they f- then they have to go get their um, suspect, uh-huh. and she scooped them right, in a van. True. She scoops so... them in a van, and then they find the house that she's Hub keeping. Hub finds the house that. and Hub and Frank, yeah. and then they arrest her. Yeah, and they then arrest on her, the they way put her back, in the car. They're interrupted by a, a bus bombing, which unfortunately is serious. Yes, and so the, that first bus bombing was just paints. Nobody was seriously injured. Mm-hmm. But she's like, this is not the end of it. And he's like, we're going to, you know, follow all the leads that we have. And I don't owe you any information. Mm-hmm. And get out of my face, little lady. Right. And yeah, and then they are following, it's actually, um, oh, I've forgotten his name. You know the dude, the guy, the Khalil, mm-hmm. the guy that they're following. They're following this gentleman who is um, has money, and they're trying to trace the money to where it's going. And he makes them, because they're not subtle on the street at all, and he books it running, and they're chasing him, they're chasing him, they're chasing him, and then... As they're chasing them, he gets scooped up by a van. What was that? Oh, no. And then, I don't, by some, you know, FBI counterterrorism machinations, mm-hmm. they figure out where the van goes, and then they go to the house, and their, their suspect, Khalil, is there, and as is Annette Benning's character, who's Th- still named Elise at this point. Right. So she, um, they arrest her. For kidnapping. Right. And then they wind up again at another site, which they're called to where she's still in the car. Yes. And she's trying to talk them through and give advice, but... She's like, they are looking to get as many cameras out here as possible. Mm -hmm. They're really serious. This is not going to go well. You've got to take the shot. If you can see them, you've got to take them down. Mm -hmm. Like, she's adamant about it. Right. And it, you know, in a weird way, this is when I started going, is she behind? it like what and that's just my inability to be surprised movie brain Uh that's just constantly working in the back 
uh, she's not behind it, y'all. <laughs> but that was my, the first thing I was thinking. I was like, this bitch is shady. What's going on? <laughs> well, she is shady. And so there's a, I mean, it, it, there's a pretty terrible explosion. And one thing I should mention about the film is it's very realistic in many ways. The explosion gives yes. Denzel Washington's character a permanent case of tinnitus that he's throughout the entire film he's fiddling with his ears. Yes, he's um, his nose is bleeding, his ears are bleeding. Right. The way that they show the sh- this explosion and the shockwave is very detailed in yeah. a way that I'm not used to seeing, and very realistic. It was, I mean, it was very well done. Hard to watch where you're looking at like windows on the street. And stuff, shattering, yeah. shattering, and, and I think part of it is that, as I mentioned, and it goes on for a long time. It's yeah. like a almost a minute. I feel like I mentioned the other action movies that I just you know before that we're discussing. You know, the, the Middle East situation or the mm-hmm. situation. Um, they tended to be filled with explosions in the background. Well, a muscle-bound hero jumps in front. I think there right. was an active attempt to distance yourself and show you collateral damage and yeah. real damage of terrorist attacks. Yeah. Um, sadly, they were, the world was to find out all too soon yes. about real terrorist attacks. But yeah. this puts um, Denza Ahab, rather, into a place. He's angry, he's upset. There's a really interesting or really well done scene where he's barking orders at his uh, crew. Yeah, he's got basically the, the whole counter-terrorism task mm-hmm. force in front of him, and he's yeah, yelling at them orders. He's not yelling right. at them, but he's like demanding that they do these certain things. And they're like, um, you're bleeding. And he's bleeding like a spigot. I'd like to know how that was done. Pretty significantly just, right. from the nose. I'm like, he doesn't taste that. <laughs> I think I'm that just saying. <laughs> this is, again, this is um, the same generation producing action heroes who don't bleed when they're hit with landmines and yeah. things like that. So, so. I don't want to, like, we're already pretty well into this, and we're pretty much at the beginning, so I don't want to go too beat by beat, because it's very twisty. Very twisty. At this point, though, we should say that Bruce Willis's character, he's a general, he's basically like, you know, the head of the army, whatever the general at the head of the army is called. Hi, I'm dumb. And he... Is he comes in to check on them, and then there are some. We never see the president. We we never no. see or are referred to the the we president the, could be a man or a woman right. in this. They don't do a thing where it's like, oh, we've got a black president, so bad right. things are definitely going to happen or whatever. It's uh, we never see the president. We only see the people sort of conferring with the president. And um, there are uh, options on the table to basically put, not basically, to put New York under martial law because yeah. it seems like these attacks are r- ramping up. And, and there they continue are, to happen through the film. So if Yeah, and there are multiple cells. So if one cell is burned, it doesn't yeah. mean that it's done. I'd like to warn people who have an actual fear of this kind of thing. This it's movie pretty is realistic. very intense too. Yeah, because the attacks don't stop, and there's it creates a real. I. I wouldn't want to say I would have wanted to have seen it when it was first released because yeah. I think it would have had more impact then. Mm. Um, but there's um, there's a pretty accurate depiction of the instability caused by constant violence. Yes, and 
It uh, and so it's kind of unnerving at times how the attacks just don't stop. Just don't stop. There's a crowded theater. Yeah. Uh, where, like uh, on Broadway, where they and they never name names either. Mm. Is but there's a bombing there, and several high-profile people are killed. But they don't name names. It's just several high-profile people. No. You could assume that there are senators in there. There's a scene. Edward Zwick, as a director, seems to have a good. He he does things I don't like, which is constantly switching to the slow motion for emotional effect. I don't yeah. need that necessarily. <laughs> but I'll, he also has a good eye for creating a, a particular image that stays with you. And in some of the films I've seen, he's created. You know, think of Glory. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some scenes in there that it's just like they stay in your head. But um, there's an image in that bombing in the theater where there's this very beautiful young woman in an evening gown. Yes, sort of stumbling the down down the stairs. Uh-huh. Very kind of dazed. Like she's, yeah, she, like she's, all the blood's drained from her face. Right. And she's, look, yeah, she's, she's clearly not st- stable on her feet and she's like, lurching down the stairs a little, and then she sort of spins toward the camera. Uh-huh. And she's missing an arm from about the elbow on. Yeah. And this must have been played by an actual amputee, I'm guessing. Um, and it is kind of shocking when you're seeing it, because again, it's easy to see a certain amount of damage with buildings falling down. But you can see that in the Godzilla film, for heaven's sakes. It's the on the ground yeah, damage. It, at of no point being does hurt. anybody in this movie turn to fucking Will Smith and go, "You're lucky no civilians right, were hurt." Yeah, like it's not like that. this movie's all about collateral damage. Collateral da- damage. And that's that shot in itself. It, even after the film, it just stayed with me. Like God, yeah. that, that's that's what's going on. And you it's become lost. super paranoid because she makes it clear at the beginning, and you mm. see it that they want eyes on them. So. Like at the second bus, the the first real bombing, mm-hmm. right? They let the kids out, and he's like, "Great, that's wonderful." And they there are like six newscopters, and she said, "You've got to get the cameras out of here, yeah, because that's what they want." And so the they start set like they start getting the helicopters cleared from the airspace. Excuse me, and he says, "Can you?" let the old people out, mm-hmm. you know, the senior citizens out. And as they're coming through the doors and the there are fewer helicopters, but mm-hmm. before they're all gone, they blow the bus, like mm-hmm. right then. So, um, And really blow the bus. The and, things yeah. in smithereens, it's... Yeah, nobody yeah. survived that. And, the, and, and you know that that was basically an entire cell, right? Because right. these cells are very small. So that cell is... Uh, you know, effectively gone. Right. But the the notion is that there are cells that don't know where the other cells are. Mm-hmm. So they're all acting independently, but they seem to be triggered by each other. Triggered by each other, exactly. And then he goes to a school. There's a um, hostage taking in an mm-hmm. elementary school, and when he hears helicopters outside, he like dives through the barricades mm-hmm. and basically. Like, it's a suicide run. He doesn't die because he's Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that. But He doesn't he, set his clock before he does it, though. He, <laughs> he runs through the door and takes out the and one the terrorist there right. because they had determined that he had a... It wasn't a dead man's switch, so he, it was a radio transmitter, so it wasn't like if he went limp, mm-hmm. 
the explosions were going to set off. But in, as soon as he heard the helicopters, because they hadn't cleared the airspace, hey y'all, clear your airspace, he knew that that was going to be a target or like a, a reason for them to go ahead and blow because that's what they want. They want as many eyeballs on them for as much sort of fear as they can spread yeah. all at once. And so he acted. And this is very literally, these are terrorists. These are people whose whole job is to cause, cause mm-hmm. instability by frightening everyone into not leaving their homes. And all that they say they want is this kind hi- of release. him released. They right. don't even say his name. And no one, save one person, turns uh-huh. out, knows whether we even have this person. Right. Uh, which means he's at a black site somewhere, right? Now, something that, and you know, we don't want to touch on every plot point because there's right. too many, but there's a significant twist that, not twist, but change in the story. The first half of it seems to be the constant, the attempt to stay off these constant attacks. Yeah, after that, yeah. Ele- after that elementary school, right? It 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 switches to a no holds barred. Uh, it's the siege, right? That that. The namesake of this movie is not about the terrorist attacks. Exactly, which I thought was very clever. It's the namesake a, right. of this movie is about the martial law that is then declared on New York City. And they bring tanks through the streets. Now, we have seen a cabinet meeting, uh-huh. ostensibly, wherein the head of the army, Bruce Willis, is saying, it's going to be loud, it's going to be scary. We're not good at investigating. Mm-hmm. That's not what we do. Uh and I advise you strongly against it. So now this is the situation where you felt his character flip-flopped, right? Yes. Because, well, now, granted, I understand that in the army, mm-hmm. given an order, that's what happens. Great. He seems super stoked mm-hmm. by the fact that he's in charge of New York now. Right. He really does seem like a person who was angling for this the whole time. Out Outwardly, he was not. We also know... Because he says to who I assume to be the chief of staff for the president, mm-hmm. when he asks, is this sheikh alive? Do we have him? His response is, as far as the president knows, yeah. no. Yeah. Which is, yes. And also, <laughs> I'm not giving him up. Answer. Like, um, yeah. he, he knows what they could do to stop this. I mean, granted, we don't, that's also the stated policy, and they do state that in there. The stated policy of the United States is not to negotiate with terrorists. But also, many, many, many people have died, and he, they could just kill him <laughs> and then return him that way? I mean, if you don't want him to go back to his people... You See, give him a body. I feel like, so when Bruce Willis, his character, takes over New York... He then begins, uh, he starts setting up like cages in a football yeah. field. Or, they, yeah. the, the whole idea is that they are looking for a subset of people. And it's about 1,600 people. They, the FBI knows who they're looking at. Oh, mm-hmm. that's what happens. The FBI knows who they're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's people who have come here who are of a certain age mm-hmm. from a certain area who have come here in the last 6 months it's not that many people it's mm-hmm. 1600 people but they didn't have a place to hold 1600 people well guess what when the army comes in they take over a stadium and put in cages and mm-hmm. voila 1600 people two things one it's not after the elementary school gets bombed it's after the FBI counterterrorism department gets, gets bombed, bombed right, exactly. and 
almost the entire investigation people or something is that, wiped yeah. out. Yeah, it's 600. 600, 600. dead. And again, trigger warning for people. This It's, it's a very unrelenting and movie. Most of the people, we have seen yeah. many of the people who die What's in that scene. Very weird is that this happened before 9 11. Yes. And the scene where Hub is standing at a hole in the ground where his building used York to City. stand yeah. is very, was weird. It's extraordinarily reminiscent prophetic. of that. You know, and uh, that is uh, undoubtedly uh-huh. why they took the World Trade Center out of this movie. Right. I, I did, it was just baffling. Because I think it's going to be hard enough for people. Learning that this was made before 9-11 mm-hmm. and to see something that so accurately predicted what it would look like, which is basically a hole in the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, again, without giving too much away. And um, I got a little scared because their address in the movie is mm-hmm. one Federal Plaza, which right. is not where the counterterrorism group is, apparently. Mm-hmm. It, they're at 26 Federal Plaza, right. FYI. I was like, is that the World Trade Center, though? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought for a second that they basically... Right, followed this film. Guessed, yeah. Yes, that this was... And I'm just like, oh, that's too much. But I, that's not the case. Well, so these people are put into essentially an internment camp that's in a... a is it a football field or a baseball field? It's, it's a stadium. I don't know. Some kind of sport ball. Um, is it Madison Square Garden? It's not. You I do see remember. a... a Sign. He's driving. They drive past Madison Square Garden, and the um, big lights. The big mm-hmm. sign says, "You know, all upcoming shows canceled." Canceled, right? Because they're not willing to gather people in large groups anymore because they don't know what's Who's the target. The target. So uh, Frank, at this point, breaks from Hub because his son, who we've seen, you know... Um, they were playing to, football in one, in one scene, all the of them we together. See at, at the mosque. So this is just a part of their lives. Frank gets cleared, but his son doesn't, and his son winds up in this Well, camp. it's not even that. They go to Frank's house uh-huh. well, and yeah, yeah. take his son, we his 13-year-old so son, though. from... No, 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 right. we just hear about it later. From the house. Mm-hmm. After his wife says... Right. This is who we are. Also, he doesn't fit that profile because they've lived there for 20 years. Frank w- Frank Jr. was uh-huh. born in the United States. Right. And his father works for the counterterrorism But That's not enough. Agency. Because he still fits the... It's not enough. So he's somewhere in this it's internment camp. It's not even that camp. he fits the profile, as you're saying. It's just that... They're just rounding up all of the brown boys. Right. Because what is the army not good at? Investigation. They're good at being a hammer. Well, they're good at being... Well, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's a really interesting exchange between Hub and uh, Bruce Willis' second-in-command. Yeah. Where he tells him, well, you look like you might be an Ethiopian to me. Yeah. And uh, Hub's response is, well, you're... What did he say? You're too stupid to know that's... You, you're so stupid. You're you so stupid. You think that's an insult. insult, right? And so I thought that was a very clever response. Yeah. Now we have to point out that Hub, on top of being an FBI, FBI agent, was a soldier himself with special yes. training. Yes. So he's no slouch. No. But um, so now let's talk about Annette Benning and her whole deal. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about Annette Benning, but it involves where it cracks is where one of the suspects is captured and he's tortured to death. Yes. And that becomes the important point that comes up later on in the film. Because this is where Hub, again, is the morally righteous hero. Yes. Is like, wait, this is not what we do. This is not what we do. And Annette Benning's character, Elise, or whatever the hell her name is, yes. is 
not like where does she belong along the scale? You yes. Know, she, her so Elise then is introduced, is brought into a meeting that they're mm -hmm. having as a CIA agent named Susan Bridger. I Bridger. am a CIA agent. That's not the line. That's it Get is it right now. or pay the price. Um, so she's introduced as CIA agent uh, Susan Bridger, mm -hmm. who was in charge of training militia uh -huh. against whatever group we were against. It's uh, This is... It, this sounds terrible. Well, it, is it was opposed to, to Saddam me. Hussein. Okay. She was training of, uh, people who were uh, militants opposed to Saddam Hussein's regime. And she has a... An, no, I don't know what to call an it. An informant boo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> informant slash lover slash... His somebody. name is Samir. Uh -huh. He's introduced to everyone as her informant who is a person who signs off on mm -hmm. visa applications. So they bring him in originally because one of the bomber's visas had been signed off by, by this person. Mm -hmm. He's like, I do, I do hundreds of them. I don't know who these people are. I'm here, and so I'm a person who can do this, and so I do it. Right. Um, it's also never made clear. They make a big deal that that one person was on the watch list. Mm -hmm got a student visa and came in to the country yeah. on a plane. So how is somebody... And they never clarify how he's able to get here. Like, they don't yeah. sort of talk about where the holes are that are allowing for that. I think Elise plays some sort of part in that, though. Maybe. Um, so because well, then we find out that mm -hmm. she is definitely fucking Samir. And he feels seven different ways about that. And right. so does she. She turns on him. She's like super protective of him. And then she turns on him. And then she's super protective of him again. And I really don't know how she really feels about him. I don't. I know that she feels. We learned that she grew up in that region. Yes. And that um, we also She is pro-Palestinian. Uh, Whatever that means to you. Uh -huh. I don't think she's anti-Israel, but she's pro-Palestinian. Uh, she makes comments about... Well, it's, it's confusing. She's a hard one because, again, but considering what she's playing, it's... So, she, yeah, she's a CIA agent mm -hmm. who's in charge of, of training these people who then got sort of... Left behind. Left behind, but then... The cover that they got was this sheikh, mm -hmm. who is like a god to them. Mm -hmm. And so now they fight to get him back, and she's trained them. So that's why she knows that they're going to do this yeah. small cell thing. Right. That's why she knows all of this stuff. She trained now, them when, to do it. When the U.S. backed out of supporting this group through her, yes, most of the people that she had trained got slaughtered. So feeling some sort of sense of personal responsibility, she tries to hide them in the United States. Only at this point, their loyalty. But have now changed. they're yes, exactly. Now because, they're terrorists. Yeah, because we pulled out on them. So this is her part of the situation. Um, what you get the sense of is, except for Hub, everyone's hands are dirty. It seems. Um, Samir, I don't know how much you want to go into it without giving it away, because again, there's just so it's so twisty. Yeah, it. They. Everyone assumes that Samir has a 
person that he's meeting with that's the head of this organization. Basically the head of this organization, mm -hmm. which they're saying has too many heads. You cut one off, another one goes in its place, but that's mm -hmm. not really the case. There is like a main, you know, there's always a main mm -hmm. person, right? And on the day of a multi-ethnic peace march, demonstration against this occupation, people trying to rise up and speak for all of those Muslims, mm -hmm. all of those Arab men that are right. being locked up, uh, she goes, is it with, is she and, yeah, so Annette Benning and Samir go to a bathhouse mm -hmm. where it is revealed that Samir is, is not bringing her to meet anyone because Samir is who she would have to meet. Right. And can you imagine a better place, a better target than this peace march, right. is how it's phrased. Now, yeah. So there's two plots going on simultaneously. The plot of the actual terrorists. Because she also believes that there are like four cells right. and we're, we're at the last one, yeah. basically. Because they keep, they're suicide cells. They're suicide cells. So there's of quote finite mm. number, right? But also, there could be twenty of them. We mm. don't know. We don't know, right? <laughs> but in, I think what the implication is is that there's um, she knows more than she's willing to let on. Yeah. But she hasn't made the connection with Samir because she's too emotionally involved. Um, but there's two plots going on simultaneously. One of which is Bruce Willis's general and his occupation of New York and the kind of terror that he's causing. Yes. And the sort of terror that's caused by Samir. Yes. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know if we should go more into that or that's going to give away more of the ending than we need to. We, because, give, we give away the ending. That's what we do. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's an order. It's uh, Ultimately, it's a hopeful movie. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we find out. So the, the march, the bomb of the march mm -hmm. is thwarted. Right. Samir shoots Susan, Annette Benning's character, in the tummy. Hubbard and Haddad kill Samir, but Annette Benning dies. Right. And she has a very interesting scene where she is lying there dying and she begins repeating the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. And at the end of it says, Inshallah, yeah. God willing. So in other words, <laughs> our Father which art in heaven, it's like, yes. Amen, God willing, you know. Yeah, right. Like, like I really done fucked up this life. Right. So, <laughs> but the fact that who she knows, says knows it, what I'm on the what's on the right. back end of this for me. The fact that she uses this uh, very common Muslim sort of greeting, both uh, an mm -hmm. affirmation at the end of her Christian prayer, kind of means that she's sort of. Well, yeah. Who knows if she's Christian? She may be a Muslim woman. Right, but she recites this Christian prayer and then yeah. recites this sort of Muslim affirmation. And so it, it creates a sort of interesting. Again, it's like who, you never knew who she who she was with, or yeah. even at the very moment of her death, you don't know you who, don't she's, know affiliated who she's affiliated with. Affiliated with right? Yeah, which um, I thought was a neat touch. because yeah, the, the the back and forth with her and Samir, mm -hmm. she's super protective of him. They're having sex. She threatens him with the photos of them together. Right. She beats him up, right. and then she goes back to help him. Like it's to try and get him out of the city to get him to a safe place because mm. all of the he he's definitely I in wonder the... for her Annette Benning is a very talented actress I yes. wonder for her how difficult it must have been just to I mean I wonder if the director sat down and said these are your motivations yeah I wonder this is what you're doing and I, I, I believe mm -hmm. that she knew what her character's right. whole situation was yeah and the fact that she knew and then it wasn't clarified fully 
on the screen, I think is a weakness of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I need to watch it again. But I feel like it's a little too vague. Like, mm-hmm. I understand the idea of the viewer brings with them stuff and they can figure movies out for themselves. I also feel, though, that the filmmakers have to have a point of... They have to do... They have to have... It's like that six and the nine on Mm. the ground. I see a six, you see a nine, and we're both right. Well, no, somebody painted a six or a nine. I don't know whether Ed Zwick and Mm. these people painted a six or a nine. It's unclear to me. Uh, It reminds (laughs) me, in some ways, of uh, Alan Rickman. J.K. Rowling sits and has a conversation with him and explains everything ahead of time, so... Going forward, yeah. you're playing it this way. So you're going to appear to be really morally ambiguous until the end when you turn out to be the hero. Right. And, and here's how you feel about this boy. Right. So that you're not just a dick to this child. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> um, so, it hurts you to see him because you see his mom. And that was a... I've always felt the Harry oh, Potter movies... spoiler alert for Harry Potter. <laughs> I always felt the Harry Potter movies... We're, we weren't late to that. Um, actually changed movie making forever, frankly. And one of the things was being able to play the long game yes. with a movie that runs over three or four episodes yeah. to be able to play it to where in the end there's such a big payoff. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, with this one, I felt like that probably there was a conversation that was had here somewhere mm-hmm. because I don't. I think this is too good an actress. Yeah, no, I think they knew. I just don't think they put enough. There's, there's also I think some... maybe they were like, we got to make this a two-hour movie. Well, the, if um, this movie had been two hours and 15 minutes, I think they would have been able to flash out some stuff. If this show, if this again, it's a, and we've talked about this, if this had been a miniseries for television. Oh, so that, in 98, though, that wasn't. Right, that was going to happen. But had it been that, it would have worked. Because there were scenes where I felt the editing was really choppy. Where suddenly we're sitting with yes. Elise and Hub in a car, and I'm like, wait, how? Did yeah, we well, get how here? did we get here? Um, we should just wrap, wrap up right, the, okay. the, the whole thing. So mm-hmm. after Samir is killed, they believe that that's the last terror cell. Now, to be fair, we don't know if that's the case. Well, the movie but, has to end, so mm-hmm. yes, it's the last terror cell. So Hubbard goes to Devereaux's headquarters. Mm-hmm. Devereaux is a Bruce Willis's character. I don't think I said that at any point, and. Straight up arrests him for the torture and murder of that uh, informant, informant. who was not an informant. He was just a guy. Yeah, just a guy. And he commands his soldiers to aim their rifles at the FBI agents who have come in to raid. Mm-hmm. So then it's all guns versus guns. Ooh, super fun. And Hubbard's like, I don't trust that you aren't going to have these men fire on us. Mm-hmm. I trust these men to really think about the fucking right. situation that they're in and maybe they don't shoot FBI agents right now. Ziggy found a toy, everyone. If you hear that, sorry. I'll try and edit it out. Um, yeah, I, I think that that scene was really... I was talking to you while it was going on, going, who has the power to arrest who in this case? Yes. Um, well, that's the thing, and that's what I said. I was like, the military actually does not have arresting power. Mm-hmm. Military police do, but not everyone in there was military police. No. That's a specific thing. The military, the army, a sergeant can't walk up onto our porch and put me under arrest, right. but the FBI absolutely can, every now, single one of them. This, this is not an academic conversation, ladies and gentlemen. 
and everyone, <laughs> because we could very well be seeing this in our near future. Yeah. Who has the no, power to do this too? And I was thinking of that as I was watching this going, Ooh, too close. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this movie <laughs> is very close. uncomfortable at points. Ooh. And one of the ways it's uncomfortable is thinking, well, who has the power to arrest who? I mean, now that we're at a point where we, we might arrest the President of the United States, we might arrest members of the Congress, we might arrest... We're it, not going to arrest the President of the United States. That puts us looking real unstable. Right. And there are, we may have the biggest military by 40 mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. We don't but make ourselves look that unstable. In a day and age when we have a president who threatens people with the military, mm -hmm. even private individuals, yes, absolutely. Then it's or, or starts. This uh, feels too close. Marking people as you know, journalists as enemies of the people. Mm -hmm. That's and then those people start re receiving pipe bombs. So yeah. it it uh, that that kind of terror already exists in this country. Yes, and it's it's frightening to think about the permutations of how far this could go. Um, that's one of the reasons I found the movie compelling. No, I, I thought it was very good. It is, as you say, rough. And if you, if you are a person who lost someone in 9-11, maybe this is not the movie for you. Um, if you're a person who still, um, feels triggered by, um, bombings, specifically in New York, because right. New York is very much a... I hate the phrase. New York's a character in this movie. But it is. Um, everything, like, it could drudge up a lot. So yeah. uh, watch with care uh, for yourself first. But yes, you want to be careful. This film is very, like I said, it's extreme, it's intense. The violence keeps going on. It's not really answered at any point. Violence answers a lot of violence in this movie. Yeah. So just be careful with it. Um, but what did you feel about its treatment of... Asif Manvi. That's who plays Khalil. Okay. Sorry, everyone. I really like him, and I, it was nice to see him. So what did you feel about the, um, the depiction of both of Muslim people, Muslim culture people? I mean... Because I want to understand, do you believe this film had issues in the way it portrayed different races of people? I don't know. I... I have trouble with, it's hard, because you want to make a movie about terrorism, mm -hmm. so you've got to have terrorists. And I feel like it's way too easy now to make, you know, brown men and beards terrorists. Mm -hmm. It's Of course, it got easier three years later. Right. Um, the fact that this is 1998 makes it a little... Although in 1993 there were Arab terrorists that bombed the World Trade Center the first right. time. So that that's building on this. Um, as I said, I think earlier, I don't know if it was in the... Hi, we've recorded this a couple of times now. Uh, I look now for my terrorists to be of the white supremacy mm -hmm. variety. And um, let's get back to the Russians of the 80s because they're the bad guys mm -hmm. these days. Um you know, I, and, and that's something we've talked about where I've had a couple of uncomfortable instances lately where we're sitting, you know, generally we have a Saturday morning routine. We go to routine. a movie. All we go to a the movie, times. the movies that we talk about later here. And I get uncomfortable whenever I see 
middle-aged white guy with a red hat on. Yep, that's right. And I was talking to you about this while we were at the movies last time because I'm going, you know, you know what this means. Even if you're just a trucker with a red hat, baseball cap on, you know what the red baseball cap means to other people. Yeah. You know. Your um, dog whistling. Right. <laughs> like, so it's, uh, and we mentioned this, I'm not sure if I mentioned in the program before, when we were watching Predator sitting two or three seats away from a guy wearing a baseball cap who had a backpack. And he sat it on his lap and kept reaching into the backpack uh, the whole time throughout the movie. And half of that movie, and because it was Predator, I wasn't missing much, I'm just turning my knees in his direction and staring at him. And he's staring back at me in the dark trying to figure out why I'm watching him. And he puts the bag at his feet. I don't know that he was planning on doing anything. But I certainly know that I was going to be ready for it if he did. And I no, thought, yeah, and lately, I don't that's who you have to be worried about, right. frankly. Like, just like going, especially now, you know, we're talking after yet another mass shooting. Um, and so I don't know what to do in a particular situation like that, you know, other than try to do something. But to me, it's making me uncomfortable that I'm looking over my shoulder everywhere I go and I'm not looking for Muslims. Right. That's the, my thing now, is that that's not who I'm looking for. We work on a street where there's uh, a market run by uh, mostly a Muslim family, right? I think so. Um, some brothers. And they're running a market, and everyone uses this market. If I was suspecting somebody of doing something criminal, it wouldn't be these guys. Because they're invested, they're here, they own property, they right have a thing. Um, Members of the community. Right. What worries me more is in the same neighborhood where we work, we have a, a polyethnic uh, staff, I guess is the best way to put it, is me as dispatcher getting a phone call with somebody complains there's a, one of our clerks, a black woman, is eating in her car and called to complain and told me that I'm, I'm supposed to tell her to stop eating in her car. What? Right. Why? And that happens. Is she time. eating in your car, bitch? Right. And what and the fuck so are you talking had, about? In that neighborhood, in the last couple of weeks, several run-ins with just angry people from the neighborhood coming up and making comments about the diversity in our staff. You know, I'm the man, I'm a manager there, and when they come in to talk to a manager, and I show up, they said, "No, the who's really in charge?" Yeah, I'm gonna need to see a white face. Please. Right. So yeah, it's gross. I'm running. Y'all, it's. Real fucking gross. I'm running into that problem now, so it's like I don't even see terrorism as, you know, people with beards and anymore. I'm seeing it as a different kind of yeah. thing. I'm not sure if we're ever going to get the, the film on this subject much beyond maybe the I Black mean, Klansman. We w- yeah. No, um, that's good. Y'all, watch really that if you haven't. But there's, I don't know that we're going to see that. Because I think I we think will. It, I think yeah. we will because I think... Uh, I think Hollywood is opening up to uh, minority directors and filmmakers, mm-hmm. other filmmakers, and I think that's a story they're t- they'll tell. I would like also if it's a story that white people tell. Hey, well, look in the mirror, white people. I'm surprised it's that gross it in hasn't there. been told. You know, I haven't seen it, and maybe you know, listeners know of a film in particular, but I really haven't seen that story, and this has been going on for a while. This is nothing new. This is the Oklahoma City bombing, you know. Uh, It goes back that far. We're not seeing the film about how they're taking over uh, the the danger and threat that's posed by white nationalists. We're not really seeing that movie, but it's a threat that we're facing all the time. Understand this film is a product of its time, and its point only got, it only got more pointed, and I think you mentioned to me while we were watching it that 
the speech that Denzel Washington gives about his impassioned speech about what America means, mm-hmm. it seems at this distance in time um, to be kind of like, oh, that that's a little bit much. He's making his declaration, but well, there's a lot of we've okay. been through yeah. that already. We've been through that where we've had to keep making that point all the time. Yeah, I think that maybe it was important at the time for him to say this. Now it's what we're saying to ourselves before we go to sleep at night. We're not. We're better than this. We're better than this. Yeah, I am trying to just find uh, movies with white supremacy as the terrorists. Um, movies with. Uh, Irish, the mm. IRA, right. as terrorists. We watched one recently. Um, yes, which was uh, the Jackie remember. Chan film. Yes, that's right. The Foreigner. Right. Which uh, was a fun action movie, and yeah, it, it was an interesting film too in itself. It, Jackie Chan is a great actor, and people don't realize that. <laughs> Especially in his age. Well, in his age, because, you know, he's no longer, I'm going to do less of jumping through three-story windows, and I'm going to do more acting, because it's easier, and I've broken every bone in my body twice. Oh, there's a um, Daniel Radcliffe movie Uh called Imperium that came out in 2016, where he uh, infiltrates a white supremacy terrorist group, Mm -hmm. the white white supremacist terrorist group. Got Tony Collette in it as well. Oh, that sounds good. Um, So that is probably good, Uh, but... Yeah, no, typically it's brown people. I mean, they're also, mm-hmm. in the 80s, the bad people were Russians. Right. Germans typically will get, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the 70s, I think there were yeah. a lot of Germans as the bad people. So we go through phases, but I feel like Middle Eastern men have gotten a, a large brunt of it for a long time. Yeah. It's not equal to the amount of terror that comes out of that right. group. At least for Americans. It might be different if you're living in Israel and there's right. attacks from Palestinians. Right, and, and that's right. a whole thing um, that well, I'm not even going to attempt to get you know. into. So, um, but yes, it seems disproportionate when we're looking at it as Americans to see, wait, this is not the face of the mass shooter. This is not the guy who's firing into a crowd in Las Vegas. This is not the person blowing up a federal building. Um, this is not a person mailing pipe bombs to Democrats. Um, the, no. No. These are, but those are real terrorists. And even when it's carried out, the shooting at the, the, the baseball diamond of Republican. Um, oh, yeah. The, that was also, that was not a terrorist. That was another white guy. Um, the, it was a terrorist. I, no, would I mean, call it wasn't that a terrorist. terrorist. It was a Muslim terrorist. I'm sorry. Yes, I, I see what you're saying. Yes. See, once again, mm-hmm. we got to be real careful because yeah. terrorist does not equal yeah. <laughs> Middle Eastern man. Uh, so, I'm a fan of Middle Eastern men. Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm not scared. Well, I say that uh, like, I, now I feel like I have fetishized them. That was an accident, no, 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 and no, it no. was unintentional. So, I'm just saying, yes, no. A, point a of middle-aged view, dude in a MAGA hat mm, scares me a whole hell of a lot more. From my point of view, a Middle Eastern dead man died on a cross for my sins. Yes. So there, there you go. That's, there we go. Anyhow. In so, summation. Right, in summation. Jesus. Don't be afraid of them. <laughs> Some of them die for you. So um, so you did like the movie? I, I, I liked the movie, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, it's twisty, but I, I, and I don't think that it's fully successful, mm-hmm. but it does some very interesting things and has some very uh, 
we watched it at a time when the violence was not fully upsetting to me. Like, yeah. And the the artistry that the violence was done with was interesting, I think. If that yeah, doesn't make it me was sound done like a monster. in a way that was realistic so that it it gave you the impression of collateral, which is what I meant earlier when I yes. said if you want to see buildings fall down, you can watch a Godzilla movie or you can watch um, one of uh, those disaster films, The Day After Tomorrow, things like that, where it's just carnage on such a big scale that it's meaningless. Yeah. But here it's people suffering. And they do have the nice um, sort of juxtaposition of the damage that we inflict on ourselves. Yes, which was important uh, to see that. And to see also where we lose our moral high ground. Yeah. And nowadays, if you're putting people in cages, you ain't got no moral high ground. Moral high ground is not something anybody really talks about much nowadays because there's so little of it. (laughs) No one seems to be. It used to be that people wanted to have the moral high ground, not so much anymore. Now there's a. um, It seems like political leaders in particular are pushing for a kind of bullying being the tactic. Now these people are cowards. I know a coward when I see one. Yeah. But um, but anyhow, yes, it was very. It's it's. Good that we have Denzel Washington to be our, our voice of, of what is it uh, William Barber the Reverend said, our moral defibrillator. You know, in this case, waking us back up and making us realize, wait, this is not who we are. But anyhow, yes, I actually enjoyed the film. I'm not sure how it's aged. I know that it caused controversy when it was released. Yes, it made the point it meant to make. I suppose about who the real enemy is or who we really have to worry about. In yeah. the end, it's us. Yep. So, yep, yep, yep. all this aside, uh, what do you have to recommend? I'm actually going to recommend a, a book series mm-hmm. in anticipation of a thing. This I sounds know. pretentious now. No. <laughs> no, no, no. These are books that have been written recently, so it's not. I'm not going to pull out some Dickens or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't. Oh, I'm not anti-Dickens. That's a dig? Thank you very much. Everyone knows what that was about. Real right? fucking pretentious when it comes out of your face. Oh, my favorite Dickens novel oh, is Bleak House. My favorite is Bleak House. Anybody who hasn't read Bleak House, you should read it. But go ahead. Make your this recommendation. This is my recommendation, no, I'm, Dickhead. Go ahead. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm going to recommend the Justin Cronin Passage Trilogy. So Justin Cronin released a book called The Passage. It is a solid 700 pages, I think, uh, in 2010. And I read it. And I loved it. And I got to the end, and I was pissed because it was the first of a trilogy. And typically, Mm. my life is spent not reading things until I can read all of the things. It hasn't worked. It didn't work with Harry Potter, it didn't work with this because I read the passage and then I just had to read the next one. So the passage came out in 2010. The 12 came out in 2012. And the City of Mirrors did not come out in 2014, as I was told it would. No, 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 no. I had to wait two additional years. Uh, City of Mirrors came out in 2016. But it's done now. The passage trilogy is complete. And they are making it into a television series feels like it's going to go along the lines of that Wayward Pines show, which was also based on a series of books, and they're calling it The Passage, so I assume they're only going to talk about the first book, but they may actually only be talking about the first 
or like half of the first book because the book, the first one, takes place ballpark now and then a hundred years in the future. And what I'm seeing in the trailer, the very brief trailer that I saw today, was the stuff that takes place ballpark now mm-hmm. and none of the stuff that takes place in the future. So mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to split it so up. it's an adaptation. Well, we yeah, can, it's, it's an adaptation at, and I don't know how. The, it's probably going to be like 10 episodes. And think then about the success they had, Fox. Is it Fox, uh, the network? Uh, it was Fox because yeah, we were watching 911. Yeah. Um, they had with adapting uh, Wayward Pines. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Right. It's just they had a really good, uh, they did a really good job of taking a book series and mm-hmm. translating it. Yeah. And film. this feels right. like what they're going to do with that. But I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how they're going to break it up because mm-hmm. that first book takes place circa now for mm-hmm. a, a time span of about a year. It's a little bit unclear. Mm-hmm. And then circa 100 years from now over a, a shorter period of time. Mm-hmm. And then the 12 takes place mostly in the, I think, all the, the other ones take place in the future piece. Right. So this is a vampire, it's a vampires? Mm-hmm. Kinda. Mm-hmm. So broad strokes, I am broad less, strokes. I am less burned out on vampires than I am on zombies. There you go. I am completely burned out on zombies. Broad strokes, a scientist discovers something in the Amazon jungle. That thing is injected into people now, and then it changes them. That's the 12 that we're talking about in the 12, uh, in certain ways that lead to basically the apocalypse. <laughs> like, uh, And so... There are, are small groups of survivors that we visit far in the future. Uh, and, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say much more than that. The books are very good. I have read the first one three times, the second one two times, and the third one one time. See how that goes? I read the book, and then I read the book again in preparation for the next book. And then I read all of it in preparation for the last book, and I haven't read anything since 2016, so I might have to read them again before the movie or before the show starts in January. I think it said. Um, I had heard that they were making an adaptation about of it, but I had never not heard where it landed, and so apparently Fox Fox is where it landed. Well, I'm glad to see that there's more of that being done where you're taking an author's work seriously. I'm also excited because. The main character of this is Amy Belafonte. She's a young girl, eight to ten. Mm-hmm. Belafonte? Yeah, that's her last name. In the, so I should have known, right? Right. The, there, I don't know that there is a description of her that describes her as white mm-hmm. in the books, but I pictured her as white. Hey, I'm a white person. This is what we do. She's black in the show. I'm fucking super enthused by that. It makes more sense with her whole thing. Anyone named Belafonte. And Belafonte <laughs> should absolutely have tipped it's like it off. My for name me. is uh, Rashida Ann Poitier. Poitier. So it's like yeah. if you hear Poitier, I'm like thinking of oh, that's no Rashida Jones actually is what I was teasing yeah. About, I, I don't. I'm gonna Quincy like I said. Daughter, I think but, I'm going to go back and uh, reread the books, right? Um, to see, but I am. 100% on board with this there's, casting, regardless. There's no reason to call someone Belafonte if they're white. I, I don't know. That seems racist of me. 
But that's the only Belafonte I knew. I didn't know if that was like a slave, like Washington, like a slave name situation. No, I think they were both from the Caribbean. Oh, okay. Poitiers and... See, I don't... There was a I whole generation know. of I'm, black I, actors I'm that ignorance. came out of the West Indies. And that really started... I know, when I say yeah. it out loud, I'm like, yeah, stupid. <laughs> but also, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't remember. Mm. I, when I find it in the book, I'll tell you. Yeah, but okay. Well, let me fine. know. So the Passage Trilogy by Justin Cronin... I can't. I really recommend those books a lot. I think they're very, very good. If you want to watch the show, read the books first, or not, because it's going to be different, and you're just going to be frustrated and sit in front of the show like, "Well, that's not what it says in the books." Hi, that's going to be me. <laughs> uh, okay. What do you have to recommend? Oh uh, well, apparently I'm going to recommend Bleak House because somebody thought I was being. No, I'm not. Anyhow, anybody who. Bleak House is really the best thing that Dickens wrote. Maybe Great Expectations. Or I'll watch a, one of the many adaptations There's of it. There's some really good ones. Um, it's going to take longer to watch one than to read the but, book yeah, anyway. It's a great, great story, though. The the kind of intertwining characters. We're not do, you're not doing Bleak House, no, no, so no, move no, on. What are you really doing? <laughs> Actually, I want to recommend something. There's a trend I was watching, and so it's sort of hard to define um, what I'm recommending this week. I kind of want... To give a shout out to Nestle Crunch, yes, um, for doing diversity commercials that represent all of their all of their. Um, it's not just Nestle though. As Americans, there's a, a Muslim woman, there's a Native American man. They're doing several of them. We saw a commercial today. I forget the company that had a, a gay couple, uh, a man proposing. To it was a bunch husband. of people proposing, but the first one was right. A gay couple doing karaoke. There's <laughs> nothing stereotypical there, but what are you going to do? But mostly, actually, want to give a heads up to the producers of the television program 911. Yeah, there was an episode we just saw a Buck actually, where there's a really beautiful scene, and the whole episode is about. Was that the name of the episode, um, Buck actually? Yeah. Then the episode makes more sense. So I was like, this is like their Valentine's episode, but it's not Valentine's Day. What's going on? But the entire episode is about couples reconnecting or falling to the wayside or keeping strong. It's very lovely. The whole episode is very sweet. I cried at the end, y'all. But there is a depiction of an elderly gay couple whose relationship is relived through a series of flashbacks. They're not any of the main characters in the program, and it was an interesting aside for them to go through of this scrapbook of the, these two elderly men and what they meant to each other and their whole relationship put into like a five-minute montage mm-hmm. that was a digression from the plot of the rest of the program. Which they do pretty right. regularly. But this was more intense in that it took place over you know years and years and years rather than just sort of the immediate circumstances of how did the baby get trapped in the drain pipe. This was yeah. or the toilet pipe, uh, the, the sewer pipe. Yeah. But it's more like how did these two people? What was their relationship based on? And it was really touching. And so I'm really happy to see a lot more diversity. I'm happy to mm-hmm. see uh, companies. Buying advertising space and appealing to everybody. Yeah, I think Um, that one with the Muslim woman uh was on, I think it might have been on Rachel Maddow or something. And I was like, I hope they also bought time on Fox News. Right, that would be lovely. It would be lovely to be able to see that everyone here, you know, it's just like this whole notion of what is an American. That needs to change. Speaking as a person who's, again, half Native American, I don't buy this whole notion about who gets to be an American and who doesn't, because frankly, 
I'll just go then. Well, yeah, indigenous <laughs> people. Fine. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine on Facebook from Ireland, and she's she wasn't clear on who Native Americans were in proportion to who calls themselves Americans now. And I was like, well, if it helps the indigenous people, as you know, the oldest remains of indigenous person are about three thousand years old. Yeah, and the Americans not two hundred or calling themselves Americans have been here for about 300 years period, or less, Europeans, rather. So the whole notion of who becomes American is, is ridiculous. But anyhow, I really was impressed with this episode of 911 for showcasing this montage, which yeah. was heartbreaking, given what It happens. really was. Because this is a show about emergency workers. Nothing goes right. Nothing good happens. But um, this was the only death in the episode. I believe so. But it really, it showed... Uh, you know, these two men as a couple weathering life together. And we don't see that a lot, you know. Uh, not too recently, uh, not too, yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. I uh, I caught uh, the last 20 minutes of the birdcage. Oh, yeah, I just listened to this very fluffy, your favorite problematic did uh, an episode about the birdcage, and I've never seen it. Right, it's a very fluffy depiction of gay relationships and Nathan Lane's crying throughout the entire uh, film and, and ball. My understanding is one of them is treated very badly by the child. Oh, that would be, I think. Is it him. Nathan Lane? Well, I mean, the child in the film actually is trying to get his parents to pretend to be straight. And wants yeah, it's, this one I character don't... to leave and for his actual mother to come back to abandon oh, him. Oh, that's right. And to show up. So it's, it's very problematic because you don't like this guy. And so why are we doing anything for him? And yeah, and this, but this person has been here for you your whole life, right? And you're nothing but ashamed. You're trash. And you know, Sorry. coming out at the last minute <laughs> and saving the situation, going, "No, this is my mother." Uh, still putting it in those, you know, that's very a term kind of, that I don't think very that he'd strange. appreciate so either. Yeah, I, I really like the fact that having watched this television program, we we've come that far where we can see people on their own terms instead of trying to define them the way that we understand relationships to work. Right. So good for them. That's, yeah, that's, in a gay couple, right? neither of them is the woman, turns out. <laughs> right. That's the way that we were told. Though. I know, but That like, was so strange. No, you know, there's so much that I have to unlearn now. Um, and even, even if one of them was like, I'm the woman and I'm the man, mm-hmm. what the fuck does that even mean? Right. Like, ugh. I don't know. Appreciate I don't, the choir. I don't like it. <laughs> but, yes, uh... 911 is a show that I was skeptical as hell about because Ryan Murphy is pretty hit or miss for me. Mm-hmm. He swings big. I'll give him that. I fucking love that show. Yeah. I love the effortless inclusion mm-hmm. in the show. Right. They don't, they're not like, oh, this person is gay and this person is straight and, and we're going to make their whole character about that. Mm-hmm. But they don't not talk about it. They talk about it about as much as you would talk about it in life, like mm-hmm. it's not like Hen's only characteristic is not that she's a lesbian, right? You know, she has a family, she has, and there's also, and there are of, entire episodes where she's just a fucking paramedic doing right. her goddamn job. Well, I think that also, <laughs> like, it's I not like, like every idea. episode, it's like, <laughs> don't forget lesbian, <laughs> don't forget over here, we got some Asian people, and over here, but right. like, they're also. There's a lot too. There's an Asian black leads, who an Asian not, lead who's gonna have a girlfriend. The Asian le- character is not in any way, shape, or form what we. He could be anybody. Yeah. And that's what's interesting is that we're not going into ethnicity 
as a whole part of his identity. As a whole, right. He's just Asian. The Latino guy, right. it barely even registers that he's right. Latino. Right, we're watching Chicago uh, Med. Yeah. And uh, there's a character there, Ethan Choi, who's Korean. Yes. And I like the fact that he's incidentally Korean. Yes. You know, that doesn't play a huge part. It's not like he's going to, you know... Back when I was a kid, you're watching TV, we always went back to the ancestors. Or we, they're just like you. you know, they carry on joss and they're, they're, right. they're worshipping Buddha all the time. It's like we don't necessarily need to see that because like Dick Wolf focuses more, his product focuses more on the people's lives at work rather than the people's personal lives. That's one of his trademarks. Yeah. And so because of that, we don't see them behave, you know, we don't need to talk about how Irish the redheaded guy is. Or how Korean the Korean guy is. Right. It's just that they happen to be that, and this is their job. And every once in a while, they'll say or do something, you know, um, that, that represents is culturally their appropriate. culture. And right. with that Korean character, his relationship with his sister represents a lot of, you know, Korean that, friends I yeah. have, where they they talk about, well, the guy's in, you know, the male son's in charge of the family, and his sister's misbehaving, and then he feels yeah. guilt about it. And it's introduced incidentally, but still true to the culture itself. Yeah. But anyhow. Hey, more of this, guys. Because you know what? I relate to all of it. I don't need just white people in front of my, on my TV. In fact, I'd prefer fewer of them. Fewer. Right. Fewer. The world, we didn't see representation of, you know, me growing up. I was, uh, my, believe it or not, we watched Chips because there was a Latin Right, no, I believe <laughs> it. Like, I'm sorry. It's like that's what we had to watch. Like, no, that and Lucy. I don't know how that ever happened. I don't know how the, you know, I Love Lucy ever happened with a Cuban husband, but he reminded me of my dad. Oh. So, yeah, it's, it's nice to see other kinds of people than white people on television. A white straight people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I did cry at the end of 911 because, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, the, old man gets mushed by his car the way that Anton Yelchin did and both of them do not make it and he was like you were like it's a TV show I'm like but also (laughs) it isn't (laughs) so I was emotional I'm a lady and I can be emotional if I want (laughs) alright I think that brings us to the end we've been talking for a long time Mm. and we thank you oh nope we're not done. What are we doing next week? Mm. Hi, next week is Thanksgiving. It's also the fourth of five weeks of November. Okay. So we have a bonus week. What are we going to do next week? I've been trying to get you to answer this question forever, and you haven't given me a single me response. I don't yep. know what to do. I thought we were watching Australia. That's for the last weekend, or do you want to make that this weekend, and then we do something else for the last weekend? I don't know. Why don't we make it in Australia unless I, something suddenly strikes me out of the blue as such a great idea that we have to do it? Gotcha. Okay. It's Australia or else <laughs> next week. That's what's going to happen. Australia or else. By three hours of my life, I'll never get I, back. I don't know how if I'm looking forward to this. It just seems like... You want to get drunk before we watch it? That might be a solution. We've got wine. I, I, you know, that, that would be in keeping. Um, hmm. I just My experience of Australia is now, the last thing I've seen of Australia is A Cry in the Dark. Oh, I rub against Australia. Mm-hmm. I fear long Baz Luhrmann movies. All right, so let's... I'm really curious about the, the Aborigine, too. That's what I'm looking out for, Aborigines in this movie. 
Oh, are there some? I imagine if you make a movie called Australia, there should be some actual Australians in it. Really? Not Europeans who've come to Australia, but actual Australians. I would hazard to guess that that is not necessarily the case. Mm. Whether or not that's if I, what you know, should be the case is a different question, but like, I don't I know. I was disappointed. I wanted to see The Last Samurai. I'm watching Tom Cruise. Why am I watching him? He's not The Last Samurai. He's not at all. Oh, there's The Last Samurai. Why don't we just make the movie about him? And we don't need this five-foot-tall white guy running around he's in armor. He's five-four. Yeah, okay, there or we go. Well, he's six. Less. I he's find a small. it very interesting that for a long time, Ken Watanabe's height was listed as 6'4", because they were trying to scale Tom Cruise up. That's he's so dumb. actually my height. It looks <laughs> he just like looks he's 6'4", like, because right? he's clearly not really... Fu- oh, no. Yes, I discovered that was the case. No, they I thought Ken Watanabe was like six foot tall. No, no, he's, he's closer to my height, five foot, ten and a half, eleven. Um, but because they wanted to keep the fact that Tom Cruise is not a tall man... Uh, That's so freaking sad. The original press report scaled his he height to He can't be six that much four. taller than an Asian. No. Right, it's just like that, you know. Asian men are supposed to be small. That's not always the case. No. no not at In all. In fact, the tallest people are often from China. <laughs> right, so. exactly. Northern Chinese guys, that, that's why they in martial arts there was the old saying, it was southern feet versus northern fists. The southern guys Longer were smaller, <laughs> and they would kick because they were agile. The northern guys were big, big guys, and they had longer reach and punch you in the face. So, yeah, no, that was you. part of it. All right. All right. We've done it. <laughs> We've said just about everything we're willing to say this week. No mas. Dickens, Bleak House, you should read it. Oh, my God, shut up about <laughs> right. Dickens. I'm just going to bleep every time you say anything about Dickens. I'll just be like, beep. <laughs> I'm just gonna nope (laughs) alright you can find us uh, on Twitter at latecomerspod Uh you can email us latecomerspod at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook on Facebook where we're hiding most of the time Mm, yeah Mm. latecomers podcast we've got a Facebook group and a (laughs) Facebook page Uh. find both of them sign up Join us. Uh, the more people that are in there, the One more I will be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we. Emmy's actually very entertaining. You would love to have conversations with her. I'm. Yeah, but my brain is melting right now, and I. <laughs> and very like, talented as well. All of my. No. You should see her make not. a pumpkin. She's not. She's talented. making cookies. That's why I'm also very happy with Oh, her. yeah. That's all it is. He <laughs> just wants cookies now. Cookies. So. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm about to pass out, so I think I, we need to end this. I'm serious. Like, it feels like all of the energy just, like, left my body. It's very weird, and I'm nervous about it. Okay. Thanks for everything, and remember, better, better late, late than, than never. never. We love you. Bye. Holy shit. No, seriously, what happened to me?